May we go over the following question together? Martin asks, Praying looks like wanting something good from the outside. It falls more or less under the umbrella of the law of attraction. Attending a funeral yesterday in a church, I heard a lot of collective prayers and could not help seeing in them an escape from loneliness, especially when someone we know dies, until the next funeral with the same mechanical supplicating words. Who is utterly ready to look constantly into this omnipresent loneliness rather than begging for hope? We will repeat it. Praying looks like wanting something good from the outside. It falls more or less under the umbrella of the law of attraction. Attending a funeral yesterday in a church, I heard a lot of collective prayers and could not help seeing in them an escape from loneliness, especially when someone we know dies until the next funeral with the same mechanical supplicating words. Who is utterly ready to look constantly into this omnipresent loneliness rather than begging for hope? May we go into this question together? The question of Prayer and see whether we can go deeply into it. May we try? It seems that prayer is is a part of our daily life. Most of us pray in some way or another. And apparently there are various forms of prayer. Each culture has its own kind of prayer. Each religion prays in its own way. And besides religion, there are other forms of prayer. Other forms of prayer that are different than praying according to a book, repeating the prayer of organized religion. There are other forms of prayer as well, isn't there? And perhaps we don't call them prayer. But nevertheless, behind the word, the word, sorry, behind the various words attributed and the various labels, perhaps they are one and the same movement. 
many of us seek help in one way or the other either go to a therapist a psychologist a life coach many of us go to the self self-help section in the library and seek various books by Osho, Krishnamurti, Eckhart Tolle, Tony Robbins, and the list goes on. One doesn't really mean to put Krishnamurti with the rest because one really feels that what Jiddu Krishnamurti points to is entirely different than the rest. But perhaps we seek help in Krishnamurti in the same way we seek help in the others. Which is another form of prayer, is it not? And when we go to a therapist, we are seeking help. The seeking of help surely in itself implies also the seeking of authority. We don't know how to deal with our suffering, with our misery, loneliness, fear, all these terrible feelings that we know so very well, that we have experienced for so many years. We don't know how to deal with them. We don't know how to get rid of them. And so we seek somebody who knows or who claims to know. And so there is the seeking of authority. And so there is the... And so the follower is born and therefore the leader is born as well. If there is no follower, there is no leader. But unfortunately for most of us, we seek a credible source of knowledge to help us with our pain. So the person or the seeker Sorry, to seek help through a therapist is surely the same as seeking help through a God. One may be more through logic and the other more mystical perhaps, but surely it is one and the same movement happening in the mind. But perhaps we condemn one and not the other. We dignify one and not the other. Perhaps we say that 
it is all right, perfectly all right to seek a therapist, to seek a life coach, to help us with understanding life. Perhaps it is okay to do so. Perhaps that is a sign of one being educated and civilized. And maybe then we condemn, we look down upon those who pray according to a book, thinking that we are better or that we are different from them. But is it really so? Is there really a fundamental difference between both? Or they are all one and the same movement of prayer, of desire, of seeking authority, of moving away from where one is, of escape. And so, of a mediocre life. Prayer, perhaps, is very obvious, is very apparent. in tough times, in times of hardship, right? Most of us usually pray during tough times. And perhaps we also pray when everything also is going fine and we may call it gratitude counting one's blessings giving thanks and so we celebrate thanksgiving we count our blessings we count the many things we have collected, material, the relationships we have, the people we have surrounded ourselves with. And so there is this mass celebration of what oneself has acquired, which is a form of self-glorification, is it not? which also in itself apparently is a form of prayer. Please let us go into this a little bit. To pray in tough times and to give thanks when everything is okay is one and the same movement, isn't it? In both One is a victim. One is projecting.
in both there is desire. Surely, it's fairly obvious. And in both, there is a desire for the self to endure, to continue, to preserve itself through acquiring more, through gaining more of what it doesn't have, endlessly pursuing becoming endlessly trying to change into something it is not endlessly accumulating and so both apparently are the same But perhaps prayer happens more so during tough times when there is death of a relative perhaps there is great grief that happens sorrow a a great feeling of loss of loneliness perhaps more so than usual. And so this great feeling of discomfort is magnified, is intensified. And one is not able to fathom it, to understand it. And therefore rushes in every, in every direction trying to escape from it, asking for help, to make it feel better and the endless circus you know you know how it is also nowadays with COVID-19 society is going through unprecedented times many are facing much tougher time than usual economically, socially, etc. Especially those who have family, have, have family, have children. Children are in school, etc. Have various needs. And, and unfortunately for many of us, There is unemployment, there is poverty, there is that inability to provide during these times. And also, unfortunately, many of us take to prayer. Others, perhaps, take to drugs, take to drink, 
etc. And so, to pray, to take drugs, is essentially the same thing as well. Is exactly the same thing. Merely with different labels, probably with a different set of actions, outwardly, superficially, but deeply coming from the same source, the one and the same movement. And again, we condemn one and justify the other. And we continue this madness, this sheer insanity. Because surely, praying is a form of insanity, is it not? Because one is merely perpetuating the same vicious cycle, never coming in contact with what is, never coming to terms with oneself, never having the opportunity or the capacity to be totally free. So continuing the circus as it is, as it is, as it has been going on for one's entire life, in fact, for probably centuries, and then coming at the end of it all and asking for it to miraculously change. Somehow to just become better. This is surely a form of insanity. To expect a different result while continuing to behave the same way is surely a form of insanity. So one prays during tough times, asks God, therapist, guru, how is one to change one's life? How is one to feed one's family? How is one to get by tough times? And perhaps we justify prayer during these times. We say, this is where one needs to have faith. This is one where, sorry, one needs to be positive. Be hopeful. And therefore we justify it. Now, have we ever asked whether there's a, a way of living totally differently? Even in the toughest of times. Have we ever asked whether it is possible to live completely sanely even during the toughest of economical times, the toughest of social times, or 
must one suffer more during tough times? Because one really feels that it is absolutely possible to be so completely free from everything even during the toughest of times in such a way where one is not deeply affected by it all now I know what you will probably say if you have five children who are not able to feed it will be very difficult probably impossible not to be affected by that situation deeply isn't that right don't we don't we say this and don't we justify the man who is torn apart trying to provide for one's family and we say that is dignified of course he will be stressed out of course we cannot expect that such a man can be so totally free so deeply detached so to speak from the situation we probably say that such a man can only live in misery can only live in hope can only survive with religion by his side with God by his side with various ideas and notions various books, therapists, etc. And otherwise, there is no chance for this person to provide for his family or to endure, to thrive, to, to find happiness. Isn't this what we say? Isn't this how we think? And one really questions whether all of this is really necessary whether all of this is right living or whether all of this is mere insanity that perhaps or in fact undoubtedly it is absolutely possible for a man who's without a job during COVID-19, five children, to live with absolute freedom psychologically, not be affected deeply by it, not seek help psychologically in any way, shape or form, not seek authority at all 
not be a follower at all. Remain or be loving, caring of one's family, not angry, not take to drink. but very, very loving, nurturing, caring, and take life as it goes, as it comes. Move with it without being depressed or disappointed or shocked is it possible to live this way or is one really very materialistic and says that one doesn't really accept to live below a certain standard One cannot even comprehend the possibility of living in such a way. One cannot comprehend not sending one's children to the best schools or to have the best car or to have a good salary one cannot comprehend not having all of these things. One cannot bear it. One cannot live with it. Perhaps one feels as a failure if one were to be in that situation. And so that terrible feeling of insecurity of the possibility of one day living in such conditions is so unbearable deep in one's stomach that one immediately and very quickly, instantly, very subtly runs away from it into prayer into sustaining one's ambition, desire into remaining and sustaining competitiveness ruthlessness and so condemn oneself to a life of misery, of more misery. Condemn oneself to a, a rat race or continuing this rat race we call living. Or condemn oneself to 
eternal praying eternal seeking eternal escaping and of course by condemning oneself to all of this never ever having love in one's heart never for a moment even really caring for something beyond oneself never really caring for one's children one's family one may say that one cares by condemning oneself to a life of misery to condemning oneself by condemning oneself to a, a life a rat race we call living in order to support the various needs financial needs etc one may call that caring but is it really isn't one at the end of the day at the end of it all very aggressive with one's family psychologically one may not put one put one's hand on, on, on one's children but psychologically deeply when comparing one's children when giving advice to one's children when not paying attention to them isn't that a form of aggression and so during tough times we we also pray and of course death being something terrible what we consider what we've been educating educated to to perceive that terrible thing called death which is something separate from life at least this is what we've been educated with that there is living and then there is dying as something separate and of course our education of death blocks our understanding of it and merely merely give death an, an idea make an idea out of death try to make something pleasant out of something terrible that there is heaven later on after death where one is or can be eternally happy etc so death in itself is a part of our prayer isn't it 
when somebody we care for, care about, dies, we pray for them, that they are in a better place. Don't we do that? And perhaps it is that same old feeling again, that same movement that's happening again, when that terrible feeling in one's stomach is there, when one is not able to understand it, one is completely blind and blocked to the understanding of death as part of living. And so being blocked to that, one merely escapes into a better, into a comforting idea of heaven, reincarnation, energy, so on and so forth. And unfortunately, this has great significance even beyond beyond this, in the sense it also shapes our behavior and activity in our daily lives, doesn't it? Please let us go a little bit further into this. When we pray, when we depend on somebody, this has great significance in our, in our lives. Say, I depend on you emotionally. I take great comfort, great solace in you as an escape from my daily miserable living, which is full of struggle, stress, etc. So I depend on you for comfort. I say the world must be going to hell, might be going to hell, sorry, but at least I have you. At least you will not judge me. At least you will take care of me, etc. And so I depend on you. That dependence has huge significance in my life. I don't know if you've noticed, but the people we depend on we in that very dependence again there is authority. 
the when there is dependence there is authority please see this if i depend on you i have made you into an authority i have become your follower we do this not only with gurus etc but with our partners notice the power that is given to the other person through dependence and this has great significance on my life because whatever because sorry one no longer questions things one can never be very sensitive to life one becomes very dull through dependence one leads a very mediocre life through dependence and leads a second hand life and so can never really understand anything in living whether it is death whether it is loneliness whether it is right living right eating right exercising etc one becomes completely dependent please see this this is our daily life rather than exploring discovering every single aspect of life <clears throat> discovering it first hand and having that immense energy curiosity to follow things through to understand to live differently rather than that we end up through dependence through seeking help through praying merely second hand people asking for answers to life's questions and and never really of course obviously never really ever having that capacity to be very deeply silent which is a real pity and so the questioner asks who is utterly ready to look constantly into this omnipresent loneliness rather than begging for hope who is utterly ready to look constantly into this omnipresent loneliness rather than begging for hope 